What's up, everybody? It's Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show, episode number 88. Sika Henry joined the show finally. Um, it's been a long time coming. I don't know what the heck I was going through or doing, but I got her on the show. I'm happy about it. I'm excited. It was a really great episode. I love talking to her. Uh, we talked about a bunch of things. We talked about the triathlon. We talked about her accident. We talked about growth in the sport. We talked about how she got to that point, how she got over the injury and in the in the rehab and all that and the ups and downs of life and roller coaster ride of going after a dream, you know? And then we also talked about representation in the sport or the lack thereof and why and how that drove her to do some of the things that she's done. And when this episode was recorded, it was before before she ran a 100k race i would suggest that you go check it out go check her page make sure you follow her um on instagram and check it out because she did something really amazing and uh, hint hint spoiler alert i think a record got broken so check it out um she's doing great things she's amazing she's inspiring motivating all the good things that you can say about a person this person sika is it Please love this episode, like it, share it, subscribe to the podcast, do all the things that you're supposed to do as a podcast listener, review it, give me five stars, and then leave a comment say, Tommy Runs is the dopest. He has all, he has like the most awesome guest ever. If you do that for me, I'll repay you somehow, someday, some way. Okay? Not with money, <laughs> but like a hug, handshake, high five, going to group run, I don't know, stuff like that. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Sika, for being on the Run, Eat, Sleep show. We out. Hey, Sika, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I've heard so many great things about you. Um, and the cool thing for me right now is you're my first uh, first tri- like official like triathlete to oh, be on sweet. the show. Um, so I'm, I'm like very, I'm kind of nervous cause I'm not really, I'm not, I don't know a lot about the, the triathlete, the triathlon world. Um, mm-hmm. very interesting to me. I've always said like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, because I'm like, um, my personality type would be like, I'd never be at home because I'd be like always training or always doing something, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. The sport is very time consuming to say the least. Yeah, it's bad enough as a as a runner because I'm like, you know, like you're gone for an hour or so at least a day. So I couldn't imagine having to throw in like two other disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to like just throw it way back for like the people that watch my show typically or listen to my show that don't know um, a lot about you um, because it's like kind of a heavy running side of things. Can you start from like just go way back? Like when did um, when did you start running? Which one was first for you? The, the three things, the running, biking or swimming just in life in general? So I definitely consider myself a hybrid athlete. I literally just did the past two races I did were 5Ks and I am doing a 100K ultramarathon this Saturday. (laughs) So I'm a bit all over the place. I'm like, you can talk me into anything. Um, But I did race professionally at the Ironman 70.3 distance this year. And going back, I was actually never an endurance athlete. I didn't really like running distances or anything like that. But I did grow up watching the New York City Marathon. I'm from the city originally, and I grew up in northern New Jersey, right outside of New York City. And um, after college, I actually worked in Midtown Manhattan. So um, in college, I went to Tufts University. So that's right outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. So all four years, I'd actually go spectate the Boston Marathon. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I looked at everybody like they were crazy. I'm like, yeah. why would you 
ever want to do that to yourself. Were you like, were you out there like holding signs? Uh, no, just looking at the people thinking they were crazy. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like this weird stare, just looking at people like, you know. Oh, oh yeah. And I, I was a collegiate high jumper and I did run the 200 and the 400 and some of my roommates were on the cross country team and on Sunday mornings, they had to get up at like, you know, 7 a.m., go run 12 miles. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Why would you ever do that to yourself? And here I am. So, um, but I did grow up playing a lot of different sports. My parents yeah. put me in gymnastics when I was young. Um, over the summer, I was always doing off at some camp, whether it was soccer or basketball or softball. Um, so I did grow up playing a whole bunch of stuff. And my parents put me in swim lessons very young. Mm -hmm. And I ended up swimming all four years of high school, but just for my high school team, not the club team. Right. So like our our uh, gym coach was our swim coach. So it wasn't any crazy program or anything. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I did have a background in swimming. And then um, randomly my senior year of high school, I wanted to try a new sport and the track and field coach saw me playing basketball. He's like, you could jump really high. You should come out for the track team. And okay. I think the first time I high jumped, I cleared like five foot. And he's like, uh, yeah, you kind of have a knack for this. You And I'm yeah. tall, I'm 5'10". And I had gotten into Tulsa University at that point, so I contacted Coach Kristen Morwick, and um, she's actually the former uh, record holder at Dartmouth for the high jumps. Mm -hmm. I knew she had like an extensive background in it, and I asked if I could walk on, and yeah, I ended up doing it all four years of college. So, like, so what? Um, so, when you played the, the other sports, like, was were was there one in particular that you like really excelled at, um, or was like the was the high jump the first one that was just like, this is kind of my thing. Yeah, definitely. I never excelled at any of the sports. Um, I've always lacked like hand-eye coordination and stuff, so I wasn't really good at ball sports either. Um, but it seemed like when I did individual things, um, like even running, I guess I did. I, I was I could run a sub one minute quarter mile and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. I had speed, um, so I think that was a bit naturally there. And on my dad's side, they're pretty athletic. My dad was athletic. My grandfather was a really great sprinter and football player. So I think that there were some genetics there, I guess, yeah. that, that would make me pretty decent. But absolutely not did I, like, go out for a one-mile run and think, you know, like, yeah. oh, I would be good at distance. Yeah. So, like, so when – so you found uh, the, uh, the high jump, right? Mm -hmm. um, what um, – what was that like? Like, I mean, because by the time you did the, you walked on at Tufts, it was like you weren't very, very, maybe a year or so experience well, at that point. Yeah. Like, what, was, exactly. what was that like? Um, I was so new to it. So I was excited and okay. I wanted to do it all day, every day. It's like when you yeah. first discover something like that and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to do this all the time. Honeymoon um, phase, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a, I guess the first year, my freshman year, I just went through a learning phase and mm -hmm. I started learning more about track and field. Like I had never been on an indoor track before and mm -hmm. um, I didn't even know it was 200 meters and stuff like that. And um, I was really close. I got really close to my teammates. So I would credit being a collegiate athlete on having a profound effect on my life mm -hmm. in terms of learning um, balance, like how to balance academics and athletics, which I think mm -hmm. is carried over really well now, because even though I'm a pro athlete, I still work a full-time job. And, but granted, I'm not married and I don't have kids, so I don't have those responsibilities, but I think it still helped me learn to yeah. hone in on that later on. 
Yeah. And then, so like, as, so, so what was, well, I guess, what was like college like for you? I mean, I know you, you know, you ran some other, uh, other distances. Did you run, did you run track in college as well? Or was that just like for high school? No, I did. I ran call in college actually. So uh, Tufts is division three. So I actually did go to NCAAs in high jump and oh, then dope. also dope. on the four by 400 relay. And um, I was an all American and yeah. we actually still hold the, uh, college record for the indoor and outdoor four by 400 really so no i i had decent okay, all right, all right. I had decent speed yeah. it, came pretty, it came pretty quickly for yeah, me she, yeah you like don't, you like don't downplay it she's like no i'm, I'm all american <laughs> let me let me list off these things real quick for you <laughs> um, yeah no go ahead go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you see the times that people are putting up nowadays and you look back and you're like, oh, I, that was nothing, you know? So I think that there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And then, so like after, like after college, like what was, what was the next step after that? I mean, cause you had, obviously had a really successful career um, in college. Um, What was like, did you, did you feel like at, at some point in college, like I can continue this and take go professional track and, you know, it, no. yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, I think it, unless you're a, like NCAA champion or like breaking records or something like that, or you're a high jumper where you are qualifying for the Olympic trials, it's hard to, you know, mm. um, I think tr- like continue post collegiately at that type of level. So no, I didn't show promise of being like a pro track athlete and so i just did i took the normal route that most people do after i graduated i took a huge big job um i left boston i took uh, my first job was with jp morgan i majored in economics so i was working in midtown manhattan and private equity and working really long hours i stopped working out i might have gone to the gym like twice a week and got on the elliptical but But you probably probably burned enough calories just with a stressful job you know uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and working, walking around and, you yeah. know, hopping on time on feet, stuff. time on yeah. feet or heels, whatever, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so no, I didn't really think much about it until I noticed how out of shape I was getting yeah. and working in New York city and still watching the marathon. I'm like, you know what? I need a new goal, like this <laughs> thing. Why don't I try a marathon? And I didn't really know what the training was like or what went into it. And, I signed up for the Atlantic City Marathon. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did like one 20 mile run before that. And I oh, hopped man. in the and it was horrible. Like hit the wall at 17, puking, walking. Just so wait, so so like the training. So okay, what so how far was this from um graduating college to the Atlantic City Marathon? Uh let's say three years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. So three years of a lot of fast walking um a lot of high power days but no work no running no working out and then so did you train for said marathon a a little um i would say like probably 12 weeks okay Um, i gradually increased my i didn't know about the whole exactly i didn't know about periodization and tapering and and all that stuff and the importance of the sunday long run i was like right as long as i do one 20 mile run and you heard stories of people like you know they have a background in sports right it just taps right back in they're good oh yeah 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 so i did not respect the distance i was very naive and i blew up well so then so mile 17 i mean that that's i mean that's for you not to have a bunch of training going into it and you still, you hit the wall at 17. 
I mean, yeah. I, 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 I mean, finished, but I only finished because um, I saw a spectator on the side of the road. I asked to use her cell phone. I tried to call my best friend who was at the race to just come get me. I wanted to just walk off the course, but she didn't answer the phone. So I'm like, okay, now I got to finish this thing. Uh, and miraculously, I still got under four hours. So okay, I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's, I mean, no, that's not like that's not even not bad. That's good, you know. Like for something you didn't do any training. I mean, you did, but like it wasn't like air quotes like training, training. You know, like it was just like when I first started running. I started running in 2018, mm -hmm. um, and like I thought that running or training was just like well, number one, I didn't even know training. I just thought you just run more and then you run right. more. You know, right. and I, I was running every. I, I ran and I tried to run farther than I did the day before and faster. <laughs> like that was my idea of like getting ready for a race. You know, mm -hmm. um, found out very quickly that there's other ways to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the so, so like after the, so after the marathon, like what what was it like? A, I'm never gonna do something stupid like this again. Or oh, what was sure. what was the sentiment? Oh yeah, no, I said like most people, you cross the finish line. Never. Absolutely never. Nope, not doing that to myself. Why do people do this to themselves? <laughs> yeah. But I did develop a love for running. I would say like I started actually running regularly, like three to four miles. Oh, that's and cool. I found it um, cathartic and it helped me de-stress from my day. And so I'm happy that I did take that chance and you know throw myself into the marathon and. And then eventually it did come around. I, I left New York City. I was dating somebody um, at the time out here where I live, um, like in the Hampton Roads area. And I took a less, um, I wouldn't say less stressful job, but it's not New York City, right? Like mm -hmm. people out here get off work at five o'clock and they have a yeah. life outside of work. Yeah, so yeah, I started yeah. running with people and I started signing up for some like 5Ks and then eventually a half marathon. And years later after that experience, I'm like, all right, I think I'm ready for a, another marathon. And that was, I want to say 2014. Okay. Um, yeah, I started getting a little faster. And I remember because 2014 was the first time I broke 130 and a half marathon. So mm -hmm. that actually wasn't that, that long ago. Um, yeah. But when I did that, I was finally like, all right, I think I'm ready for another marathon. Okay. I mean, so like, what was it? Did you have a group there? Um, a, a group in particular? Or was it like you just kind of ran by yourself or? Uh, mostly, ran, mostly ran by myself. Um, okay. I'm lucky at my job. Um, I have showers and stuff. So I was able to run on my lunch break because I'm not okay. a, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. I'm not getting up before the sun rises. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just train at work at my, on my lunch break, shower there, get back to my desk. And yet so I mostly ran alone, maybe sometimes do some long runs with some local people. Right. And then so, OK, like so let's just let that roll. Like so what was you know, what was next after after that? Like what was. Uh, so what so, was yeah. So I heard that there was a local marathon. I was a new one out in Newport News where I live. And mm -hmm. um, I was like, all right, let me give this a try. And my goal was to just not blow up like the last time, okay. enjoy it, not hit the wall, go out conservatively and. Uh, before I knew it, I think I was at like mile 22 and there was a lead bike, per female bike pacer, like riding alongside me. And I'm like, wait, am I in first? Really? <laughs> she's like, yeah. She's like, yeah. And I'm like looking behind me, like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep going. And before I knew it, the, the banner was out and I had negative oh by a lot and I won the local marathon. And I think I PR by like 50 minutes from the last one. So second marathon wins second marathon yes okay so what was the time for that one 
That was, it actually wasn't anything crazy. It was a 311 um, yep. because it was a new local marathon. It yeah, wasn't yeah. Like some huge thing, but yeah, it was a 311. And I felt, I didn't feel destroyed. I felt, yeah. I think I negative split by like six minutes or something. Wow. So, wow. I think, yeah, I'm like, I think I can go faster so, than that. Was it like, was that on purpose? Like, did you know, like, did you have somebody to tell you like, hey, you know, um, pace yourself in the beginning and. Or, you know, like, um, no, I think just learn, you know, learning because you're afraid of the last, you know, you're not afraid, but yeah. you're very yeah. cautious, like to say, like, hey, I don't want to blow up. So you just kind of waited until you felt a little better. And exactly. Worked out that, and I had started following uh, some online training plans. So I was okay. actually following more of a proper marathon okay. training yeah, plan. I think I paid correctly. And okay. So you learned, you know, you yeah. learned. Yeah. Um, and what year? So that was 2015. 15. And yeah. then, so what was after that? Well, so like you, you, you won a, you won a marathon, yeah. um, break the tape and you win this marathon and yeah. what's like, what's going through your head? What's next? Like, what do you do right after that? I mean, when you do well, you, you want more of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I'm like, this is great. And uh, so all of a sudden I just started thinking about doing more and um i had actually gone through a really bad breakup at this time too so i was i guess kind of battling a little bit of depression and so i wanted a new challenge and there happened to be a local triathlon and mm. um i registered for that too and bought a mountain bike and like a speedo <laughs> and didn't know what the hell i was doing but i'm like okay i know how to float like i can get through the swim and You're like i won't die <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least i hope not yeah, um, yeah. So it was just a sprint and um it was a like a 10 mile bike ride and then a, a 5k run and so i did that i think i came in like close to last with that but i i loved it so much and so i started actually mostly cross training with very low run volume mm -hmm. and around that time all of a sudden like i'd hop into a 5k and like run i don't know an 1830 or something mm -hmm. so it went from like not even being able to break 20 minutes in a 5k to all of a sudden with all the swim bike volume running like significantly faster um, like, your aerobic capacity yes exactly yeah i found that i responded really quickly to it and um yeah and then i started just hopping in more i think i did the dallas marathon after that and my time came down again to like 307 i think i came in fourth woman there and i did the local marathon again i think i was 305 there and i ended up winning again so like my times just kept going down and down the more i started focusing on triathlon okay so if you don't mind, because um, like there's something I felt like is pretty important. I mean, you sound like how I would kind of operate. Like if I'm going through something, like I tend to like dig into something, you know, mm -hmm. like that, that, not to take your mind off of it, but to kind of like help you work through it as mm -hmm. opposed to just kind of sitting in some moments that we can go through and, and have as people in, in life in general. Um, so can you just talk to me a little bit more about like how you went that your, your your process to say like hey i'm going through something like i'm definitely feeling like some feelings of depression here or if it was mm -hmm. football depression whatever mm -hmm. um you had the wherewithal to say like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna try something new like what what is that about like how'd that help and, and explain that to to me a little 
yeah, I, I wasn't wanting to get out of bed. I think I started taking a lot of sick days from work. I didn't want to be around people. And um, I found that I was isolating myself. And the only things that were kind of bringing me joy and comfort was when I exercised, I knew that I always felt better after. So I was learning that the more I wanted to, didn't want to do something, the more I needed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also find that when I sign up for these crazy things, I stop obsessing over things that are dragging me down in life and I kind of redirect my energy towards the things that bring me up and fulfill me or like make me excited or nervous but like a good nervous and mm -hmm. um yeah it, it just I think redirects that energy so I find that my when I throw myself into these things it's uh even if it doesn't turn out the way I hoped like if I have a bad race or something like that I'm like well it's better than me being in the house crying or alone or like kind of just going into like my little hole. Um, so it did really help me at that time to like take my mind off of like the whole breakup and stuff like that. Cause I was feeling, you know, just unwanted and useless and just, you know, you start kind of piling on all these things that aren't necessarily true about you, but you can't, it, you still feel like that at the time. So it kind of, it gave me hope like, okay, well, uh, if I can get a PR or something, you know, you feel good about that. Like, okay, I did that. Yeah, I yeah like it sounds like, I mean, to me, it's like, as well, it sounds like control too. I mean, because sometimes like you just, you feel like you have like no control over certain things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it just feels like if you're able to get out and do something physical, um, I mean, it just, it, it, it's like you're grabbing a hold of the steering wheel. Like, you know, I have, I'm in control of this, you know, like I can control like this moment. I can control if I go out and train or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just, I just really like, you know, that concept of it. Cause it's like, you, you just gotta, sometimes you just gotta get in there and do something that's, that's challenging. And it, and it sounded like the size of the goal too, because you didn't just say, I'm going to go run some more, you know, you pick the goal and a thing that, like you said, it's like is, is scary and, and, and intimidating. Um, and I think like the bigger sometimes like the goal is or the thing we throw ourselves into, you're right. Like it does have like this blinders um, like energy where you get into it and you really don't have time in your or capacity or like, you know, yeah. bandwidth to handle or deal with anything else that's not helping you towards this goal. Like so it's it's like that pick that really big go out there and go after it. Mm -hmm. I actually find it was a bit crazy looking back. Um, whenever I started feeling bad, I put on my shoes and I just go out and I mm -hmm. run or yeah. swim or something like that. So I was doing a lot of exercise. It was like every time, but it's better than just grabbing cookies every single time you're feeling bad. Yeah, you know? yeah, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. What kind of cookies though? <laughs> Does it matter? Oh, and it does not matter at all. Like chocolate chip, oatmeal raisin, like anything. Okay. As long yeah. as you don't say well, Oreos. I still do that though. As long as you don't say Oreos. I'm like, sometimes you just got to stay in the house and eat Oreos. You, <laughs> yeah. can't, you can't go wrong. You need those days too. Yeah. Some days, some days. Yeah. Um, so after you say so you're, 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 you did the sprint, the sprint try and you're, and you're working on uh, triathlon um, yeah. things and you're getting faster on the road. Um, what was what was like and that was a big goal to go after and like it just seemed like it all kind of happened right in the right way for you what was when was that moment where you're like hey i want to i want to keep pushing this and then what was like the what was the first big race from from that point um 
I would say, so I recognized very early on when I got into triathlon that there was a lack of diversity. Like I'd show up to these mm -hmm. races and I'd be the only black person, literally. And so I started, I guess, I piqued my curiosity and I'm like, why are there not, why aren't people that look like me in this sport at all? Right. And so the more I learned um, and I read that there had never been a African-American female pro before, I'm like, that's crazy. And no, it did not pop in my head that that was what I would chase at all. I don't know. <laughs> not that early on, um, but it did pique my curiosity. And, um, you know, I started learning facts like about 64% of African-Americans lack basic swimming skills and, um, you know, like it, this sport's so expensive. So just, you know, I started with a mountain bike and a speedo and stuff, but it's like, all right, if you want to really get competitive in the sport, you need like a carbon fiber frame bike and, and all these things add up. So um, there were just a lot of things that um, I guess pulled me more into the sport. And I started to wonder how good I could get. And um, I hired coach Jonathan Karen, who's still my coach now. And um, one of the first things he said was, okay, if you want to get to that level, you need to cut out all this marathoning stuff um, because you really need to work on your weaknesses. We so yeah. often want to work on our strengths. I'm like, all I want to do is run, run, run. I don't want to swim or bike. And he's like, no, we need to run less and focus more on the swim and the bike. And um, that's when I really learned what it was like to train at an elite level. Um, as soon as I started working with him, I didn't realize people were training twice a day, every day, um, that they don't take days off. They just have certain recovery days. I didn't know people were training like 20 hours a week. It, it was, or riding, you know, 100 miles or, mm. you know, riding 60 miles and getting off the bike and running eight miles. It was very, very hard the first year. Yeah. And then so what what year was that? What, what year was the? Um, so I hired him at the end of 2017. I will say that I had done one more marathon that year and I ran three hours flat and six seconds. So I missed breaking the, the three hour oh. mark by seven seconds. And of course, I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I'm almost there. And he's yeah, like, yeah. no, you either want to focus on that or you want to be a better triathlete. Oh man, he could have just let you go one more race. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I gotta talk to this guy. Um and then so so as you as you're training you start you're starting to you're training like an elite um yeah. and you're you're like giving a lot of time and energy and when did when did you start saying like hey i want to go out for some of these bigger races and these um and the ironmans and stuff or the 70.3s and stuff like that um so 2018 was when i started getting started racing on the ironman 70.3 circuit i want to say that year i did uh ironman 70.3 florida and then Ironman 70.3 eagle man i did ironman 70.3 atlantic city mm -hmm. and even though it was hard and I was really just honestly struggling to stay awake at work, like the volume was just ridiculous. It was so hard, but yeah. I was getting better each race and kind yeah. of moving up the ladder. Like even in Atlantic City, um, I think I came in second in my age group there, but I had even broke 130 at the half marathon at the end of the the half Ironman. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, like that's a huge difference between, you know, not even like struggling to break 130 in a regular half marathon yeah. and now I'm doing it after swimming and biking. So I was responding very well to the training what was throwing at me. Yeah. And then, and then, so, so 2000, so that was 2018. And then, so 2019, um, is that, that was the year where you, you turned into like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go after like a pro card and, and yes. become a professional. Yes. Um, 
So what was like, do you remember like the moment that you, um, that it kind of dawned on you that this is what I want to do and I feel like I can do it? Yeah, I said it out loud. I spoke it into existence, I guess, in 2017. I went to a um, triathlon conference um, mm. and they one of the panels I was on, it was about diversity and representation in the sport of triathlon because it was lacking so much. So um, less than 1% of the participants in our sport are African-American. So, you know, I brought up um, on the stage that there had never been a pro female and that was my goal. And mm. um, so I think I had spoke it then, but then I really like honed in on it and really like dedicated my life in some ways to it. Like I stopped going to happy hour at work. I definitely did not go have lunch with my coworkers on my lunch break. Like it was all like all of my focus was on training. I was doing master swim practice at like 530 a.m. before work. Mm. So I was in fully invested wow. in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not a morning person, but you know, once no, and I forced myself. Yeah. My alarm went off at 4 30 in the morning. And yeah, it was super dedicated and doing everything. I think pretty much every day I ask myself, am I doing everything I possibly can to yeah. myself one step closer to getting my pro card? And um, and and even though he was coaching me remotely, I give Coach Johnny so much credit because he really just transformed me pretty quickly now that I look back. And um, yeah, so 2018, I yeah had a pretty stellar stellar year, and the goal was 19. I was like, I'm gonna get my pro card in 2019. Right, awesome, awesome. And then so so 2019 rolls around, and you're fit as ever. You had a really good 2018 um, in this on the circuit. Yes. Talk to me about like 2019. What happened then, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, I trained really hard all winter. I like had a huge block. I mean, I was on my trainer pretty much every day, my, my bike trainer riding inside for like hours. <laughs> I, I trained so hard that winter and I did feel pretty confident. I My swim was getting faster because I was doing those early morning master swim practices. We had a coach on deck and um, even though my run volume was low, I was still responding well and putting out really fast times. And so we targeted Ironman 70.3 Texas. Um, so I flew out there to Galveston in April 2019. Yep. And the way triathlon works, although it's changed, thank God now, but it's not like running where the, the fastest people start first and then it kind of goes slower, slower, like in a corral. It's not like that. It was the pros go first and then the times go off by age group mm. and these type of races it's open like it's not a championship race so you know somebody could be on their mountain bike or whatever else it could be their first half ironman and unfortunately i was in one of the last heats to go for my age group and so by the time i got in the course there were like 2000 athletes so i swam and i was nervous ahead of time i'm like gosh this course is going to be really crowded and i'm trying to get my pro card so i'm probably going to be flying and i did think hesitate a few times of like how safe is this? And they didn't publish what the start could be like. So sometimes it was rolling where the fastest line up and go. And then other times it's the way it was for me that day. And so I got out the water. I just had a decent swim and I got on my bike and then uh, about like five miles into it, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I woke up in the emergency room and I had been at the hospital for a couple hours and 
Uh, when I woke up, they were trying to explain to me that I had been in a bike accident and I didn't remember. I thought I'd been in a car wreck on the way home. And, you know, I, I had assured myself I was completely knocked out. I broke my nose. I completely lacerated my face. I had to have it pretty much stitched back together. I had road rash all over my body. And um, I, God, it was, it was awful. Like mm. I, I pushed a, a week after my accident, I actually put my pictures online of what I looked like. And it kind of went viral at the time, which my mother was not happy about. <laughs> You didn't have to share that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. My dad was the opposite because I had a blog and um, I was like, yeah, post it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what picture should I use to like talk about this crash? He's like, the accident, the crash photo. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's hilarious. That's like so, like a dad and a mom, like, guys, like, he's like, this one, it looks crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, like, looking back now, I mean, because in the moment, obviously, like, you're, didn't remember much of it at all, um, if, if anything of it at all. Um, but like, what, how did that, like when you like, came to and like, um, you know, in the hospital and working on recovery, what, what were your thoughts? Like, I'm done with this. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a scary thing to happen. Like, so what were the, how what yeah. was that? Playing like oh, I, I was traumatized. Um, you know, when I first woke up, I was pretty drugged, but I was in a lot of pain. And I think like most people, when this happens, the first thing they do is kind of move their body, wiggle their toes. Like, am I paralyzed? How severe mm. is this? And when I knew I could move, that was my first thought, like, oh, okay, good. And then my next thought was my brain. Um, you know, like how damaged is it? And, uh, you know, are my parents going to have to take care of me the rest of my life? And, um, and then when I finally saw what I looked like, I just broke down. I mean, I looked disfigured. So my first thought was, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. <laughs> I was just so horrible looking. Um, like, how am I going to recover from this? Um, I also, I had knocked my teeth loose, so they had to put, I had to have oral surgery and have a, a splint put in my mouth to hold my teeth in place for a while, so I couldn't eat solid food for about a month, and I developed infections from all the, the road rash and the open wounds, so it was just one thing after another, and yes, I, the first couple days, I was like, I'm done, this board yeah. is worth it, somebody else some other black woman can go get the pro card <laughs> first, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like what so i mean and you would have been i mean you, i mean you would have been oh like no one would have blamed you like if it's just like you know mm -hmm. what um i went after this i trained for it um you, you can list off all the reasons why like hey you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let this one go you know right. I'll, I'll just run and bike and swim for health and fun you know right but like what was what was the the catalyst to like get you back on the bike yeah. Um, so I think one of the blessings was I didn't remember the crash. So being on the bike didn't necessarily make me nervous. But in terms of like even considering coming back to the sport, um, because I had put my story out there on social media about what happened in the crash photos and everything. And some a lot of people had been following my journey all these years. I started blogging as soon as I got into triathlon, mm -hmm. um, like the outpouring of support and the messages and um, young kids and, and cards that I received, like encouraging me to get back out there and kind of reaffirming that representation is important. Um, 
I don't think I realized the magnitude of the impact it could have until my crash. So that changed things for mm -hmm. sure. And then also my parent support. Um, I remember when I flew from Texas because I had to stay with my parents for about a month so I could see specialists out there. I couldn't take mm -hmm. care of myself. But um, my dad, like the first real conversation we had, he was like, if you knew all this was going to happen to you, that you'd you know, crash, that you'd be broken and end up in the hospital and, and all this is going to happen, but that you'd still go on to get your pro card and be the first, you know, African-American woman to do so. Would you go through with all this? And I didn't hesitate. I was like, absolutely. It would still, it would be worth it if I knew that I would have that type of impact for sure. So the next day I ended up registering for Ironman 70.3 Augusta. And I was like, all right, I got five months to chase my pro card again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right, I like you a lot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. So it, it was, it was just, you know, everything kind of happened, not the way everything happened the way it should, you know? Um, and you know, the fact that you had a blog, cause if you didn't, you know, I mean, it probably would have went viral and, you know, a little people would have seen it, but like people had connected to you and, and, um, been watching your journey no matter, you know, the, whatever the color of their skin was, every, people were, were, were rooting for you. Um, and, it it just seems like it's like perfect that you already had that set up to kind of help you when you needed it you know um did you and i know it was probably doing well the, the you know the blog but did you realize like the like the reach that it had at the time i mean sometimes you don't really know like what no yeah not at all i mean you could kind of see the stats like every time i post or something you get like a thousand or two thousand views or something like that um and but then that particular post i remember after i hit post i remember waking up the next morning and it had like ten thousand views and oh, i was geez. like oh my god i don't know if this is a good thing yeah. <laughs> um and just realizing how many people were in my corner like my coach, um, when I told him I did want to come back and he's like, all right, we'll do everything that we can to help you get back. And my mentor, Dan Amfield, um, he has so many connections. I had destroyed my bike in the crash and bikes. These bikes are like $10,000 at least. So, um, he reached out to Sir Bela, whose shirt I'm actually wearing now. And they sent me like the newest P3X they had on the market and had my wheel support. Like I ended up signing with them. So I felt like, it, not even it didn't even come down to like oh she has all these credentials and the speed mm. and stuff like that they were just like we want to help yeah. this woman to re realize her dreams so yeah all around i just felt very blessed it was like i never needed or wanted for anything it was all um just everything was kind of given to me to help me get back and i know not everybody has that so i try to give so much gratitude and credit to all the people that did help me get back yeah i mean they put in the works i mean it um yeah like i i know i know it was given to you um you know so to speak but i mean you you put in the work for um it, it, and you 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 put in the work for it you know what i mean it's if anybody deserved it at that moment in their lives i mean i, I believe it was you so i mean i'm glad that people i'm glad that you had the blog or the vlog i'm glad that people that you were brave enough to share it i mean because like you know your first thoughts after it were you know, against yourself, it's like, I'll never be pretty again, you know, like, yeah. and it, but for you to, to have the courage to share, um, it just says something, you know, more, it just says a lot about you. And, and I know that, you know, people appreciate transparency, um, you know, even in like the worst moments. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, um, yeah, I, I just feel like it, 
I know it was given, but you definitely deserve it. I just wanted to feel like I needed to say that to you as well. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and then, so as you, so let's just like fast forward to like mm -hmm. a little bit, five, let's go, let's skip those five months of brutal training that I don't want to hear about because. <laughs> oh, be that was a nightmare. <laughs> I'll be tired by the end of it. Um, <laughs> what, um, so like talk to me about race day. Like, so last race day was, was, you know, oddly set up and not oddly, but I guess it's like kind of normal. Um, you had some worries about the traffic, you know, like too many people in the way, all that stuff. Um, and, and you were nervous going into it because you know you're going for your pro card in a setup that wasn't really set up to do so. Right. What was this next experience like? So after that horrible race? Yeah, um, yeah. What was the next one? Was, oh, after, yeah. uh, so I'm a little crazy. I'm going to admit that. Um, I, the longer I went without getting on a bike or racing, the harder I knew it was going to get back into. I was going to have a hard time getting back into things. Mm -hmm. So I found that there was a low-key sprint triathlon, like a Rev3 race up right outside in uh, D.C., and so I registered for that because I was able to start jogging again and running and all that stuff. And uh, so th this was two months after my accident. And so I called my mom. I'm like, you know, I, I registered for this race. I'm like, do you think two months is too soon? She's like, 10 years is too soon. What are you thinking? But she's like, I'm going to come up and come there. And I was nervous as hell. And it was, I was just kind of wonky and like definitely nervous and everything. But long story short, I ended up winning that my first sprint back. Um, but I probably pushed myself too soon. You know how eager we are to get back and prove ourselves like I haven't lost it. So I don't regret doing that to myself, but I did find that I started falling apart pretty quickly. Like it, it's like, if you're not going to slow yourself down, like your body will tell you to stop. So I had to take some time off after that. But, um, yeah, then I focused on that huge race, Ironman 70.3 Augusta and, I've like never been so nervous for a race in my life. Um, it was, I think I kind of felt the energy from my family too. Like my mom at the start of the race, I remember she walked off. She, I guess she went somewhere and was like crying. Like she didn't even want to see. Yeah. I could see the concern on my dad's face. Like he just wanted me to hurry up and get off the bike. And, yeah. um, and then I was also fighting, like trying to have the confidence in myself, knowing that how much I had put into it. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the day just really unfolded well. Like I executed, I had I had to make the decision to turn the switch off in my head of everything that happened and just focus on like being the athlete Sika, uh, not the post-accident Sika. Right. And I like ran, I kind of just made my way through the field and I had a the fastest amateur run split that day and ran myself on the podium and it was a qualifying race. And so uh, for folks listening to this, in order to qualify for your pro card, you have to um, be top three amateur overall at a pro qualifying race. So there has to be a pro field. I think the prize money has to be 30 grand. Um, so I think Augusta is the big or the second largest half Ironman in the U S. So mm -hmm. it was, it was a really big race and I tend to do well in the heat. So this was like, August, September. So it was really hot. Started. Yeah, it, it was really hot. It was so hot. <laughs> but I can bet on that. I'm like, if people are starting to fall apart or walk yeah. or whatever, maybe I can start picking them off. But before I knew it, um, I crossed the finish line and I was six amateur. So I missed getting my pro card by about mm -hmm. like three or four minutes. So yeah. So I did not get it that day. Yeah. And then so, but, but what, what, so what were some, obviously that was disappointing, you know, but, 
it sounds like to me, I'm like, I'm like looking at all these takeaways that were, <laughs> that were like great, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, show that the future is still bright. Mm-hmm. What were like some of like, what were like your immediate thoughts and like you know, good and bad? The bad thoughts were um, if you're perfectionist and you always, if, I, I have this bad habit of like, I either hit my goal and I succeeded or I didn't hit my goal and I failed. And so mm-hmm. my coach and I were really hard on separate, like it's, there's gray area. <laughs> there's not just one or the other. So at the time when I crossed the finish line, I just looked at my parents. I'm like, I guess I just don't have it. Like I'm not cut out for this. I was upset. I was crying. But then when we got back to the hotel room and I just thought about everything that I'd been through over the past five months to go from being just like this destroyed, broken athlete to coming that close to getting my pro card. Um, it made me appreciate the journey a lot more and what I had done. And, uh, and the attention that I know there was, I can't say something good necessarily came from the crash, but the attention that it brought on the lack of diversity to the sport and like the more encouragement I received and the more people that were following along with the story and stuff. Yeah. So that was probably the good. Yeah. So what, what was the, I'm trying to, I'm got two questions. So I'm trying not to forget the uh, second one. So mm-hmm. what was like, what was the, um, uh, the response from your, your following at that point? Um, even though, I mean, they know you're you know, going for your pro card, uh, but what was the response from, you know, from the public, I guess, uh, about how you did that day? I think shocked. I don't think anybody thought that a, I'd be back that quickly and B that I would even be that competitive or anything. So yeah. yeah, I think more like surprised. Although mm-hmm. my coach wasn't, I think. Of that- course, he's not. Like he's like, I, I don't know. You <laughs> he can knows my workouts, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think like um, even more encouragement. Like, okay, she actually can do this, and mm-hmm. like kind of eager to see what the race plan was going to be like for 2020, which uh, obviously the pandemic ruined all that. Yeah, and then so so what was next after after that? Like uh, you going after you going off your pro card, you miss it by a few minutes. Yeah. Um, what's the next? What's the next race that you're um, looking to try to get a pro card in? Oh, so right after that, I actually two weeks later flew to Kona, Hawaii, for the Ironman World Championships. Um, I am a, a Hoka athlete, so I'm sponsored by them, and mm-hmm. they are the primary. They're the shoe sponsor for Ironman, and they get a slot. So. 99.9% of the people have to qualify for this race, but I got really lucky that uh, Eric Gilson, who recruited me for Hoka, he reached out. It's like, we have this slot. We'd love to have you, you know, compete at Kona. I'm like, and I had never wanted to do a full Ironman. So mm-hmm. it's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile mm-hmm. bike, and then a marathon at the end. So not, not much, not much. <laughs> no, I was like, you want me to do double of the half? I absolutely not. No, thank you. You can give this yeah. lot to somebody else. And then the more people I talked to, are you crazy? Like that's, that race is so yeah. iconic and you know, it's on NBC and you get to go to Hawaii. And, yeah, it's um, Hawaii. Just go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I got talked into that one and it was as brutal as everybody says and as hard as it sounds. And uh, I didn't have any goal for that race other than to finish. Um, mm-hmm. So that was my next race. And obviously it was not qualifying for my pro card <laughs> at Kona, but um, that was my next race. And then um, I shut the season down after that because I was still kind of dealing with some residual effects from the crash and then kind of putting my body through all that. So. Um, I took some time off and then hopped back into training. I started setting my calendar up for 2020. And um, the first race I was supposed to do um, about three weeks before the pandemic happened. And 
um, you know, all triathlon world shut down along with everything else. So I just kind of put things on the back burner. And in some ways, it might have been a, a blessing that my season got shut down because it did finally let me fully heal from everything. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, 2020 was obviously a crazy year for everybody, you know, and um, I think the farther we get away from it, there's uh, some good things happen for a lot of us um in that slowdown um of like kind of unplugging or not not going into the office or um really just being able to slow down a little bit you know because everybody's just go 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 um i think that the pandemic really um kind of shined a light on a lot of different things um whether it's like race you know race in america and um and just uh, you know more people got got puppies (laughs) or you like (laughs) There's like a surge in like puppy, uh, like buying in the pandemic. Like, so yeah, yeah, I didn't know if you knew that, but the groomers are groomers are all booked up still. Like, um, but what were like, what were one of the like, what's some silver lining other than on top of like, you know, having some time to heal up? Um, what were some things that like that came about in 2020 for you just because of the pandemic? Well, I got to work from home, so <laughs> that was nice. Um, honestly, it felt like a year of recovery and kind of like reflection and like recharging um, mm-hmm. focus on the following year. And um, and even my goals, like, of course, I was kind of bummed. I'm like, maybe this just is not supposed to happen. Maybe I'm not supposed to get my pro card. I don't know. But um, it taught me like how resilient I was. I still found, found ways, even though, though the pool was closed, I lived near the bay. So mm-hmm. I would start swimming with people in the bay. It's like, well, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to find other ways to keep training um, despite things being shut down. Um, yeah. yeah. So just things like that. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that too, like, as, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I also was able to finally spend a lot of time with my family. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. You should have started with that. You know, they're like, what they're like, they're watching this. Like, what about us? <laughs> That's all the whole time. Um, you're just talking about swimming and you know, not going to work. They're like, yo, we were right here. Yeah. Um, but so, and then one thing, like, I mean, I just, like I said, I just got into running, um, you know, in, in 18. Um, so I was kind of like, like kind of head down in the beginning, just having fun, like the honeymoon phase, just running and doing stuff, you know. Um, but I, I, I didn't really realize, I mean, I was so caught up in like what I was doing. And I wasn't like looking around to see what, everybody else looked like um and as i know you mentioned that like you know in the in the triathlon world just there's just black folks just are pretty much like non-existent when it comes to you know the start lines um and obviously on the on the roadside it's better but it it wasn't what it should have been you know before like before 2020 but then when you you talk about the events that happened in 2020 you started to see more uh brands in running at least i'm sure it's a, a lot of the same a lot of crossover uh and brand wise but a lot of brands started you know realizing that like yo like with the represent representation matters you know on our side of the aisle too like so when in your in your work with with certain brands did you start to see a shift in the the focus on making sure that um there's some diversity and representation in your sport yeah, I felt uh, so they a lot of companies did put out statements, but you know, mm-hmm. saying and doing are two completely separate things. So sometimes I'm like, I'll hold my breath on this one and see what happens. Um, yeah, I remember, 
<laughs> I remember it taking Iron Man quite a bit of time before they even said anything. And that uh, infuriated me, actually. I did a post on it. Um, but then they did say that they they pledged to put a million dollars towards uh, helping to bring more people of color into the sport and give back to the inner communities, like the inner cities and stuff where, you know, kids can't access or they can't afford swim lessons or bikes and stuff like that. So they did put out a statement in 2020 and um, uh, eventually they did uh, form Race for Change. And I'm actually now an ambassador for that with Ironman. So I did partner with them this year. They put Relays together. They um, uh, partnered with Black Kid Swim and Major Taylor Cycling and Black Runners Connections. So at a lot of these half Ironmans. Black Kid Swim? Black Kid Swim, yep. Major Taylor Cycling and uh, Black Runners Connection. And so they had a few relays um, at a few of the Ironman 70.3s this year. And um, they gave, uh, I can't remember, I don't want to misquote, like how many bikes and stuff. But it was nice to actually see where the money was going that um, people were, you know, fundraising and giving back towards. I was able to go to like 70.3 Oceanside and be at the local community center and say like, oh, they put that money towards the infrastructure there and stuff like that. So yeah, it's important to me to hold the companies accountable, these brands. Um, So, you know, it's like they are putting out these statements, but I do find that a lot of the ones that I partner with, they've held true to it. Um, Hoka has been really great. I, they've supported me from the beginning and um, I did see a huge shift. I don't know about you also, like what you said on social media, like now all of a sudden, you know, before you always see the same people posing and the same brands or whatever else. And, you know, it's like, well, not everybody looks like that who does a sport. So I think that there was a huge cultural shift in how, um, you know, like products and everything are displayed and in, in, on right. media. Yeah, and it's just like not only is like not not everybody looks like that in the sport, but it's almost it's also like um, it, it helps to to see yourself in a sport before you get there, you know. Too, like, um, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a joke, but like, I mean, I don't. I don't think seeing like for me, I mean, it's just seeing someone, you know, black do a triathlon doesn't make me want to do it. But right. there's like, but there's it. It's just like that permission to say, oh, I didn't even think that we would, you know, I don't think we do stuff like that, you know, yeah. um, and that like that number, like sixty four percent of you know bl- of, of black kids, you know, lack swimming, you know, or black folks in general lack swimming ability, right. um, and then like you just if you like dig into that, like there's like there's history of like why that is, you know, exactly. and. Um, why there's a disconnect, you know, like it's not, it's, it's not like, that we just don't want to do the sport. Like that's not how it happens. It's not like, we're not like allergic to water. Or, exactly. Um, but it's just like, you know, it just the, the history of this country just provided us or didn't provide us with the ability to, um, have availability to, uh, to pools and, and exactly. community centers and things like that. When that would have just been passed down to us from people that before us that did know how to swim. You know, exactly. yep. um, but so just start started. So let's jump back to your uh, to the pro card day. Okay. So, yeah. Although what you're saying though, it's really yeah. important. And, oh no, we'll stay there for sure. Okay. I'll avoid words like systemic racism and stuff like that, and I've had to learn to not avoid it because I'm yeah. like, 
I'm like, oh, I don't want to read the comments and people being like, that doesn't exist anymore and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's a reason for why we are in the situation we're in. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just like, um, yeah, I don't really care what, like, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. Like, um, it's just, it's, you can look at, you know, you can just look at any picture of any big race, especially the further you go back. Um, and you just have to re- like to remember like there's there's a reason why it looks I mean the optics explain it all you know like if you look at a poster from you know the 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 90s or whatever of a of of a 5k or a race it's you know in even even in black cities you know what I mean like it's just it just shows you there's some there's a disconnect and it's not because black folks don't like to be physical like I mean if you look at every sport. <laughs> Right. Like hockey, you know? Yeah. Um, and even running at the highest level um, yeah. is, you know, is dominated by, you know, by Africans, you know? So right. it's not. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, when they decided they wanted to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I just started, uh, I'm starting to plan out my, my race here next year. And I was looking into doing the Comrades Ultra Marathon. Oh, man. Yeah. I've been hearing more and more about this. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So it's 55 miles. It looks absolutely grueling. But um, I've been researching the history. I, I like knowing what I'm getting, like, fully engrossed yeah. to, like, it's the oldest, is it the oldest ultra in the, in the it world? It is, and largest. Yeah. Yep, it's Large, huge. Okay. And I don't think blacks were allowed to run in it until like 1976 or something like that, which is crazy, right? It's in Africa. In Africa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so just even hearing that. And of course, now, you know, the people who win it are, well, usually on the men's side, it, it is Africans. But yeah. yeah. So you um, have you heard of uh, Running While Black? By Allison, they see. I I have the book. Yes, okay. I'm about halfway through. Good, good, good. Yeah, she, yeah. She talks a lot about some some really good stuff. It's not in. It's um, I love that it was. It's it's not a finger pointing situation. You know, it's like this is just facts, and it is what it is. And and the more open we all are to to like what actually happened, um, um, and it's how serious. they played out in the country, you, we can learn learn about it, move forward, and actually work together to to make some change. You know. Yeah, for sure. And she was brilliant in how she structured the book, starting off with historical facts and mm. listing the dates and, and stuff yeah. like that. So you, you can't argue with history <laughs> and the facts right there. So she did a really good job of not changing. I think initially she said she, when she started writing, it was pointing and you yeah, know, like you're, yeah, do this better here. Yeah, yeah, look what you did. Um, but it, it just is what it is, you know, like it's like you, it, it happened the way it happened. And that's, I mean, it's called history for a reason, you know, like it's, it's there. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not like, it, it isn't finger pointing. It's just, this is what happened and here's where we are. And it wasn't that long ago, you know, Same um, like I always talk to my kids about, you know, um, when like race, you know, situations come up or things happen and that they see on the news and things. Um, and I, I got, I try to my best to like remind them too, that like, you know, those black and white, pictures and and videos of like martin luther king and like the you know the uh, all the terrible videos you see of like water hoses and you know fire hoses and stuff like that um it seems like so long ago to them and to me even as a not you know growing up like you see these black and white you know videos like that was so far ago that was so long ago but i'm like my mom was 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 like 
five or 10, you know, when this was happening or whatever it was, you know, like she's, she was alive. Like, not just, this isn't like 80 years ago. Right. You know, like, and, and I think that like the more people realize like how close the sixties, how far, how close we are to the sixties still in the grand scheme of things. Um, it would kind of just open up. people's like, that wasn't that long ago for our country. We're still yeah. healing. We're still growing. And the more we acknowledge that that was a thing and it still has some, a lot of effect on today, then we could. So, yeah. Like the intersection between race and sports for me has had a huge profound effect on why I am the way I am and why I chase certain goals in sports. And um, one of the most influential people in my life was my grandfather, Haywood mm-hmm. Henry. And he was a world-class sprinter and, and track or a track field athlete and also um, a football player. And he could have went to the NFL, but because of segregation, we weren't allowed to play in the NFL. So he was never, never able to fulfill that dream. So he ended up becoming a world-class musician, actually. So you can Wikipedia him. But um, he something that he used to say to my dad was he never thought there would be a day where he'd see Blacks play professional sports. Mm. And I think that quote from my grandpa always kind of stuck with me too. And I wish he'd seen me get my pro card in triathlon, mm. but it's uh, getting my pro card had so much more meaning, I think, because of hearing the stories between my my dad and my grandpa. And um, my dad's from up north, but most of his family's from down south. So even my dad tells me stories of when he'd have to take the train down from New York down to Alabama, and he'd have to get off at a certain point to go in the back of the train. And like, this is my dad, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. my great grandfather or whatever this is literally my dad he couldn't sit in the front of the, the train when he had to go down south so yeah i just grew up listening to all these stories from both my dad and my grandfather yeah, yeah. Me. yeah it's just yeah i guess i get i'm listening to your stories like we all have so many stories that were just so close and you know not that long ago that um still have an effect on like how our families operate and think and teach each other um but yeah like i yeah, that's a that's a there's a lot there, and um, I would love to keep talking about it, but I feel like we'll get lost. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I'm like now I got like all these stories going. I'm like, what about so I had you know, yeah. said, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but well, we can do part two next year. Part two, part two, part two. So, but what about? What can we do? Can we talk about um, Pro Card Day? Yeah, oh. I think that's a, I feel like that's a good day. Yeah, that was an incredible day. I flew to Cancun, Mexico, and I specifically chose that pro qualifying race because it's hotter the than Hades. Um, say, is it was it because of the beaches? Oh, well, that, but I couldn't really enjoy them, right? Like I had to stay. So, oh, gosh, triathlon's rough because you have to stay up in your room pretty much in the AC, like off your legs. Like you can't oh, yeah. really. I was staying at an all inclusive resort, and they're like, "Oh, you want a margarita, senorita?" Like, yeah. no agua, please, no ice. So it was a little boring and not exactly fun leading up to the race. But yeah. I chose that one because I knew it would be brutally hot, and mm. I tend to do pretty well in the heat. So I figured if I could hold it together on the run, if people were fading, then I'd have a shot at my pro card. And um, and it's funny because the day was like everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. Like I had one of the worst swims the day before the water was calm and perfect. And then swim day, it was choppy. And I had one of the slowest swims of my life. And then on my bike, uh, I think on the second lap, I had a mechanical and I had to stop and fix my bike. And I had stopped for like three minutes. And the last time I had raced, I missed getting my pro card by three minutes. And I'm like, oh, good grief. So, um, but 
things started just uh, as I was hoping it would when I got to the run. It literally felt about 110 degrees. It's the hottest race I've ever done in my life. And I saw people slowing down. It was three loops. And one of my friends who I raced with, Alicia, she's really fast. She's always beaten me. But I noticed every lap I was getting closer and closer to her. So, And I couldn't tell what the laps, what place I was in. And it was like the first big race after the pandemic. So we didn't even all start together. We started like Oh, weird. Yeah. Seconds apart. Yeah. It was like time trial. So yeah. I had no clue what place I was in, but I knew as I got closer to her that I had been doing pretty well. And like maybe with 400 meters to go, I had actually passed her. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I literally dug myself into a hole. I ended up in the med tent, but anyway, um, That's fine. <laughs> yeah, like passed out in the bed tent and my dad my poor dad I'm like yelling at him like did I get it was I top three and he's like on his phone trying to figure it out because people were still coming in so even though I might have passed somebody they might have know, yeah so anyway an hour later we found out I was third amateur overall I've won my oh, game and I qualified for my pro card that day <laughs> so how did that feel I mean what did that feel like I mean because it wasn't um you went through a lot to get there you know mm -hmm. from from 2017 to what year was this? That was 2021. Last year, 2021. Yeah. So, um, four years of, of everything, you know, lots of ups and downs, pandemic thrown in there. Um, what did it feel like to, to like finally get the pro card? Relief. Really, I think for both my dad and I, it was like, oh, finally, you know, yes. you hope that it'll happen, but there's no guarantee. And um, yeah, it felt like relief. And then also just grateful that it did come about because there's a chance that that couldn't have happened. So um, that and I kept being like, I hope something doesn't happen where like, some like later I get disqualified or I like read it during the things wrong and it wasn't a pro qualifying race so it's right like, right it's That's all, that. all right it's official yeah. like usa track or uh, not track the usa triathlon had reached out to me um to like congratulate me and like write an article and stuff like the next day so i'm like okay if they're doing that then it's it's official so yeah it was awesome so just to i mean i know it was really hot and it was all really crazy but that like towards the end of that race, um, like say like the last lap, I mean, were you thinking about like all the things you've been through? Um, like, were, were you just zoned out? Like what were the thoughts that were going through your head as you're like picking people off? That was literally it. Like just keep moving forward. Um, I, it's like a regular race where you're just battling the mental demons of, I still wanted to stop. I wanted to walk. I was hot. I just kind of wanted to stop at an aid station and stay cool. So it still felt like, yeah. Had I known like, oh, I'm running my way into third and I'm about to qualify for my pro card. Maybe I would have taken it all in and had all these reflections or something, but it wasn't like that. It was just mm -hmm keep passing people yeah yeah just like keep grinding till you get to the finish line yeah okay and then so when you get that pro card i mean you know i mean like you said there's not a lot of black folks in the sport um black women for sure um what was that like did you as soon as you knew it so you obviously knew you were the first black woman to get a pro card um, yeah. so what did that feel like was that i mean I can't imagine like the, the, I don't even know what to say now. Like, <laughs> what do you feel like? Yeah. It goes back and forth. Like at the time, like, wow, I made history. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and it's 
felt so profound. And, you know, you wake up and you're like, you got 5,000 new followers on social media and all these cool little things. Um, but it still didn't feel like such a huge impact, I would say, until I actually did my first pro race. Then it felt okay. official for me. Um, okay. I had always, I said publicly before, I always wanted to see a black woman on the pro start line. And mm. the day that it was, it happened and it was me was just, you know, I stood there very proud and everything. And my first pro race was actually a disaster and I came in last. It was not what I was expecting or hoping for at all. But I remember when I finished, I met this young um, black girl, I think her name's Kendra and she's so little and she was training for her first triathlon. And I felt so happy and good that I finished and that I was there racing as a pro because I got to take pictures with her. And now she's actually wow. a little triathlete herself. So to see that little bit like live impact and influence that yeah. it's, there's nothing like that feeling. Well, uh, congratulations. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's it, it was perfect that you met her at the end of that race too. Like, so <laughs> like, you know, the, it went, didn't go well at all, but yeah. you, you, you see what, what the impact really is all about, you know, yeah. like, is it, it, it's cool. And you know, it helps if you're fast and you think, you know, and you, say if you won that'd be you know great but then at the same time like the impact for a lot of people is just who and what you are um is bigger that to them than than the, the numbers right yeah so and so like as you're as you're since 2021 and you're, you're still building and growing and um what what's like your 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 main focus now like in the sport is it um multi-tier like are you doing different things like are you trying to push you know the the diversity side of things is that like your main focus now or how are you balancing performance in your like initiatives um i'd say i'm definitely an advocate um i learned from my crash like sports can be taken away from you like any minute so you should definitely find something outside of just performance and being an athlete that you're passionate about and for me that is um, being active in the community and bringing light to the sport for people who might not have not know about it or have access to it so you know partnering with companies like ironman foundation and um, every once in a while, I do some, I won't even call it a TED talk, but I do some public speaking and, and yeah, I'm really, I'm still an athlete. I did my first year, raced my first full season as a pro this year. And that was rough. Um, and I started feeling burnt out and my coach was like, all right, well, we got to find something that fires you up. And I've always wanted to do a, a big ultra. So I'm doing my first hundred K, which is 62 miles on Saturday. So I've been on Saturday. Crazy. As in like five days from now. Yes. <laughs> yes. How are you how are you feeling? Uh I mean nervous. I always have performance anxiety, but I've prepared really well. I've never been a high mileage person and I've reached 70 miles a week and cut a little bit back on the swimming and the biking. So um yeah, I feel like I've done everything I can could do to possibly prepare for this. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Where is the race at? Is it in your your area? Yeah, it's out here in Chesapeake, Virginia. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck on that. And uh, <laughs> I'd love for you to look, I mean, I'll watch for sure, but uh, I'd like, love to hear how you do and how you liked it. And if you'll do another one after it and all that stuff, because <laughs> it seems like that's your thing. Like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then start doing more of those things. Yeah. Um, and so I know you, you kind of mentioned TED Talk a little bit. Um, could you give, can you give me like, a, to end this out, um, give me like a little mini TED Talk of like, what you'd like people of people to hear whether it's a very specific type of person or whatever what do you want people to know about you or about life or in general 
after they listen to this episode? Um, my, one of my favorite quotes is always believe something wonderful is about to happen. And I try to look at the positive in any scenario. So like, even if I'm tracing something big and scary, like a huge goal, no matter what happens, it was always, I'm always grateful that I started it. Um, and that I tried to go after something because it just contained your life. Like you never know. And even the same thing in a race when I'm falling apart, like I've actually never DNF before except for my crash. And the thought is always like something positive is going to come from this no matter what, like there's going to be this profound learning lesson if you let it come or if you think about it. So um, yeah, like some parts are going to be really bad and horrible and like you're hurting and you're grinding or, you know, you can have like a horrible accident, but I do believe that people can come back from anything. And um, I think that we're all stronger than we realize and we're capable of so much more than we realize. Like if I look back to me starting sports and like blowing up, trying to run my first marathon and not being able to break one thirty and a half marathon and, you know, to all the way now where, you know, like I'm training for an ultra and racing and the pro scene and, you know, half Ironman. So yeah, I think that we're all just capable of a lot more than we realize. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, you've, you've proven time and time again that like that people are stronger than they, than they think. Um, and you just keep coming back and keep going after it, keep grinding, keep raising the stakes somehow. Um, if you told me that someone was going to do something crazier than an Ironman 70.3, um, other than a full Ironman, I would have been like, no, there's no way. And then she goes like, oh, I'll run 100K. So <laughs> <laughs> you, keep on, uh, you keep on up in the challenge for yourself and you keep on reaching for big goals. And along the way, you just you have you've obviously inspired many people and you continue to push for. Um, folks like me to know that there's, you know, there's people like you out here doing their thing. So uh, I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me as a guest. Thank you. Thank you. Yo, dope episode, dope person. Um, if you don't follow Sika, go do so on Instagram. Uh, give her a follow. Make sure you go through the content. Like, subscribe, share. Wait, you can't subscribe to, to Instagram. Like it, share it, repost it, all that stuff. Um, Sika really has had a great career, and I cannot wait to see what she continues to do in the space. Um, she really shouldered the responsibility um, and the burden of um, pushing diversity in a sport that is uh, very white. Um, which is great for everybody. The more diversity in any sport, it's good for everybody. So this isn't just like, hey, it's just for black folks or against white folks. This is like for everybody that's involved in any sport, you should want there to be as much diversity as possible because more diversity means more uh, more flavor in the, uh, in, in the sport, more fun, more different energies and vibes and people that you can meet. Uh, and then also there's more... Um, there's there's more room to grow in the sport and more more talent available so um diversity helps us all so thank you so much Sika, for doing everything that you've done um wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors cannot wait to have an opportunity to meet you in person um i will not challenge you to a run of any kind so uh feel free to come back on the show because that's the only time that we'll go back and forth um because i'm not racing you just too fast thank you so much everybody for checking it out Subscribe to this podcast. 
review it, all that good stuff. Love you. Run, eat, sleep, repeat.